Thanks for joining us today. If you enjoy hearing stories of persons with lived experience and would like to support our efforts, join our Patreon team. In addition to exclusive benefits, you will also be listed as an anti-trafficking advocate on each episode of our podcast. Hi, guys, and welcome to the Persons with Lived Experience podcast, inspiring stories for unprecedented times with Dixie and Zona. You know, I, I do want this. Is, I'll say this and I'll close. Um, we're very, very appreciative of this, the shoulders that we stand on. Um, we stand on the shoulders of giants. Our, people that have allied with us and that have helped us to get to this point. There's no way that I could be able to do the work that I'm doing um, or even have like a career in this business or in, or in this field um, or even seek to even feel like that I can speak out my truth without people um, that are our allies and that raise money and that have like, you know, stood in the gap for us for so long. Mm -hmm. We're very grateful. This podcast contains content that may be alarming to some listeners. Please check the show notes for more detailed descriptions and take precautions for yourself. Thank you. Hi, I'm Dixie, and I'm all about joy, justice, and fair trade fashion. I'm an anti-trafficking advocate, mom of many, and passionate worshiper. And I'm Sona. I'm a writer, a speaker, a person with lived experience of human trafficking and homelessness. I'm a tiny house enthusiast and a serial foodie. Um, with us today is Kristen. She is a survivor of trafficking. She's living in Southwest Virginia and has worked in the movement since 2007. She is a grant writer, speaker, consultant, and fundraiser. She's a member of the Virginia Coalition Against Human Trafficking, the National Survivor Network, Survivor Alliance, the Regional Interdisciplinary Collaboration Working to Disrupt Human Trafficking, the Global Association of Human Trafficking Scholars, and sits on the board of directors of state and global ATOs. She is a graduate of Thistle Farms and Elevate Academy. She's involved in state and federal efforts surrounding policy and legislation. Her family includes her dog, her cat, two guinea pigs, and her boyfriend. Welcome, Kristen. We're so Hi, glad. Hi, ladies. <laughs> I'm ready to be here. Thank you. Yeah, well, we are excited. Uh, we know we're just going to get like a snippet of your background, and we're excited to hear um, what you've been doing, as we say, above zero. Ooh, I like that. Um, yeah, so basically, I have, um, I'm in Southwest Virginia, and I have a background of, um, so during college, uh, I ended up getting a really bad situation with some people I shouldn't have been around, and um, it it got really bad, and when it, I, I didn't recognize that it was really bad, and it, by the time that I did, it was too late. Um, so from 2000 and 2005, I was trafficked um, in a other area of Virginia, and um, then when I was seeking services, like at that time, there weren't really the trafficking was not a word, first of all, like that, that wasn't a thing. Like you were a prostitute, 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 like that was your thing. Like there was no um, there was no like victim ship of it. Like it was just you did what you did and this is where you are. So 
Um, that's the sort of the background that I come from. And so we went to uh, my my sweet grandmother um, wanted to go on a blue or I'm sorry the the bus the blue bus tour or something to go to a Gaither homecoming uh-huh. reunions concert. And so yeah. I was like I was like I'm 18 days clean. I made I weighed like a buck of five. And um, I was like, okay, I'll go with you. So I went with like her and like all of these other um, elderly people. And we went on the, oh, Sunshine Tours. I'm sorry, Sunshine Tours. And we went to Gaither Homecoming. And so in the um, the pamphlet, it was like Russ Taft and his wife support um, Magdalene, a 501c3 in, a nonprofit in Nashville that focuses specifically on women with a criminal history of prostitution um and drug addiction and so and i was like and i was gone i was like wow there there's actually a place for me and so yeah. i got on the waiting list and it was about a two-year wait and in between that time i was in and out of jail and i was in and out of um you know a lot of just really harmful situations and they accepted me and so in 2007 i went um my parents drove me to nashville they dropped me off and they were like do this or don't come home and oh, wow. yeah, they were, I mean, they were, they're kind of just at their wits end. And, it, and, and again, it, like, most of it was not my fault, but that was just the situation that I was in. So, mm-hmm. um, so I went and I did it and I graduated in 2009 and I became the event coordinator for a couple of years. Um, so basically they have a social enterprise. And so basically what we do is like, we have a manufacturing facility that went from an original, um, we used to actually share the rectory at St. George's with the Boy Scouts. We would have to like move their canoes and put our tables up and we would make candles. And then we would, <laughs> we would go to, we would go to various like um, people, um, like houses and like one person would like tell their story. And one person would tell about those farms and we had raised money. And Becca, Becca Stevens is the founder and she called them Tupperware parties with a conscience. And so uh. sort of how everything started. And, um, and I kind of, I, I was ready to just kind of leave Nashville and, um, pursue different things. And so I've worked all over the country um, for different organizations, helping them set up their 501c3s, helping do like board governance, helping them do like grant compliance, learning to write grants, um, fundraising, event planning and stuff like that. And so, yeah, that's basically what I've been doing since I guess 2009. Um, is I, I'm a, I was also a chef for a little while um, at the <laughs> Country Music Hall of Fame, but um that is definitely, I would much prefer this work to um, cleaning out grease traps at night. <laughs> sure. yeah. Yeah. But mm-hmm. yeah, I have, a, I have a heart for this work. I have a, a heart for this movement. Um, there are a lot of really, really cool opportunities right now for survivors. And there's a lot of really good stuff happening right now. Um, I feel like that um, we're beginning to be able to like, I feel like for so long, because it's a nonprofit kind of funded industry, we've had to sort of be like, Oh, here's the survivor and their sad, sad story. Please donate money. We are now finally getting to a point to where we can, we are the the ones with the master's degrees. We are the program directors. We are the funders. We are the donors. Um, most recently, Sophie Otiende is, um, she's a survivor. She is now the director of GFEMS, which is the Global Funding in Modern Slavery, and she, and she which is a huge donor organization. Um, you know, I work with, with Mindong from um, Survivor Alliance. I work with, Chris Ash from um, National Survivor Network and Cast. I work with um, just various like it's like there's there's survivors in all of these leadership positions, which is really cool. Sheila McLean um, is now head of of Thistle Farms and the residential program. She's a survivor. She's actually a graduate of the program, and so you know we we're starting to see all of these um, really systemic um, changes to where like you know where there were allies at some point. Now is getting to the point to where like. 
Um, we're able to be the great writers. We're able to be the funders. We're able to be the donors. We're able to like sustain this movement for ourselves. And we're not having to be like, oh, please, sir, can you give me more? Right. <laughs> <laughs> we're able to like, you know, take care of ourselves, I guess, so to speak. So, yeah. yeah. That's really cool. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, so with your experience, you said that you've worked with a lot of different programs. So I know at one point after you graduated, you ended up going to Elevate Academy. Uh, yeah. So that was most recently um, this past, um, I did the winter cohort. So it would be like in um, from September to this past December um, is when I did my first round there. And uh, was with the Rebecca Vinger, Rebecca Vinger Initiative. Uh, I guess you guys are familiar with her. Um, and, you know, she's really done a lot of cool stuff um, with her academy. And, um, and, which, and one thing I really want to highlight is Slack as a company. They have been amazing. That what they've done is they have donated, first of all, they donated like the whole platform for us to use. But what they're also doing is they've uh, donated um, classes and the Slack admin certification to us, which I think is only like $600 or something. So like we can take it and ask survivors and they're employing survivors and they're employing, um, you know, people that are, you know, typically would like not be able to like maybe be able to work virtually I mean, in person for some reason, but they can virtually work for Slack and Slack is just a really, really cool company. Sure. That's good to know. That is cool. Yeah, yeah, I know that. Oh, I wanted to ask real quick because you mentioned Magdalene House, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, and that's part of Thistle Farms. So this, okay, this is the deal. So I, I know, and I know which one you're talking about. So um, they're in Nashville. So originally, um, in from 2000, and, I want to say two or 2005, it started from um, Becca Stevens, who was the um, chaplain at Vanderbilt University and St. Augustine's. Um, it came out of a need um, that she saw in the community. Her and her husband, Marcus, who was amazing. And he's the one that wrote God Bless the Broken Road. I don't know if you yeah. guys. Yeah, that's him. And so um, it's so funny. Like, I used to clean their house. And I have, like, this picture of, like, me and, like, all of his Grammys, like, in one picture. From, but it, it, it was in my space. <laughs> that's how long ago it was. Um, right. So it was started out with being Magdalene. Um, which is just this beautiful, beautiful house. There were actually there were five houses um, in um, downtown Nashville. And the the that's the kind of the nonprofit. And so the for-profit area of it and the employment area is um, it's Thistle Farms. Now, I believe it is all like legally under the whole umbrella of Thistle Farms. Um, but it was originally, yeah, I started being Magdalene. And went there 64 sister organizations all over the country, which is another really cool thing is, is because there's a lot of graduates that have gone to these other um, cities. They're, you know, different cities like, hey, we want to replicate your model, which is a housing first model. Um, we yes. want to replicate your model. Like, how can we do that? And so those farms are like, hey, let's send a graduate out there. You pay them. They can work and they can consult with you and they can help you set up that program. And it, it's a win-win for everybody. So, yeah. That's great. That's really yeah. I, I work, um, I'm a partner with Trades of Hope. So okay. Oh my gosh. Trades of Hope is amazing. So Jocelyn, do you know Jocelyn? Uh, uh, she, okay. Well, it's a friend of mine. Sorry. And Elevate Academy through that. Okay, cool. Really cool. Back through that. So it's been amazing. Our most recent, um, our most recent um, graduation box from Elevate Academy had Trays of Hope and Thistle Farms in it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that is so That's cool. So fun. We love that. So what we're finding is we have, um, you know, these 
really great people that have overcome like really hard things Mm -hmm. and they're moving toward, okay, how do we make this world safer across the nation? How do we make that, you know, extend into other countries? How do we partner all of us together as one network? And that's kind of what we're um, really standing for is this whole idea that it's not one single place that's going to end trafficking. It's all of us working together and it's all of us making this place safer you know, one step at a time, one movement at a time, that sort of thing. So um, there is quite a bit that's going on for you, even with like 24 mm-hmm. seven. Yeah. I would love to tell you guys about that. You ready? Great. Sure. So 247.org. Um, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's the words 24 dash seven and the word seven dot org um, is, is a patented um digital technology created by a survivor that is in Broward County, which I is, is near you. I don't, I'm not yeah. very, I don't have a map of Florida, but I'm sure it's, I know it's in Florida. Um, yes. she, yeah. her, name is, her name is Vetlina Thompson. And so she identifies, she's from Bulgaria. She lives here. She has this really cool, um, like very pre cold world accent when she talks to you and they just love it. And um, so basically she identified the gaps in the services and when, when and and there's when um the transportation um her husband works in maritime but this is you know prior to i think the meeting um she identified gaps in systems in transportation systems specifically so we're talking about airports um buses cabs ubers lifts um you know, the, anywhere that like trafficking can happen can happen so she works um primarily with um so basically this is what her model is it is a patented QR code mm-hmm. that is, it directs, like, so for example, say you're in Boston and you think you're being trafficked, you're not sure, you need access to resources, either way, there's something wrong. You can scan this QR code and it will bring up um, the resources available to you in that area. Wow. There's, there aren't any other, like, so there is one for San Francisco, there's one for Colorado, but like, if you're in like Mississippi and you scan the code, it's going to give you like, Colorado's resources like there's no right. other yeah and she has, has an actual patent to it it's also connected to the um, national hotline um, mm-hmm. with Polaris it's also um, it's available in like multiple languages um, it also the really cool thing is that well there's a couple of cool things the major cool thing is that it is so if say what we do is what we sell this to organizations I'm sorry we sell this to businesses as a corporate um, membership so mm-hmm. she's got a tech guy that's on the other end that can um, update it, um, keep it um, very relevant, keep it um, t- specific to that part. They get a customized QR code and then they pay a monthly subscription fee. So say, and it totally takes away the liability for that organization if trafficking were to happen and be reported on their establishment. So say, for example, you're a hotel owner. So, you know, and so trafficking has been, um, somebody is, you know, there's been a, an event in your organization or in your hotel that um, there's, you know, maybe some criminal arrest. Well, you are totally can indemnify yourself by being able to be like, hey, they reported it on that code. It's um, mm-hmm. it's it's legally binding, and she mm-hmm. has the only patent for it in America. Um, right. so it also um, it does a couple other cool things. So it does not collect any personal identification. It does not um, require you to be to connect you to law enforcement. What it says is. Hey, it, these are some questions, and you answer, and um, you can answer some questions. And at the very end, it's like, do you want us to report this to local law enforcement? You can choose not to. You can choose to just be like, oh, I just need those resources. Um, mm-hmm. 
And then, so what, what she's doing now is she's currently in, in, in like literally like, to, like as of today, uh, or as of like about three weeks ago, um, she started to train myself and another survivor. Um, and what she's doing is she's training us and we're going to be able to like train other people to do it, other survivors. So it's a fully sustainable technology because um, there, you know, there's survivors like we, you know, for so long we've been, um, uh, the, the word oppressed is a little, it, we've been like um, marginalized for so long that like, you know, because we don't have a quote unquote education or, or even those that of us that do, as soon as you say the word is I'm a survivor, people are like, oh, and they're just like, they're automatically the experts over no matter what it is you're trying to do. And right. it's really hard for me to understand, like, you know, why, um, like we're, li and this is the other thing, like this is the only social justice movement I know about where this really horrible traumatic thing happens to us. And the very first thing that we do is we are like, how can I make sure that this horrible traumatic thing happens to nobody else? Yeah. And we go right back into this movement. Most of us are not paid for a lot of the work that we do. Um, we, you know, we were continually exploited, we're, but it doesn't matter. It's like, we're so fixated and obsessed with like making sure this doesn't happen to anybody else. It's like, there's, yeah. there's nothing else that we could do. Mm -hmm. Right. And that, yeah. that's what, that's what Lena's done. That's what, um, Svetlina's done is, you know, she's really taken, um, every really terrible thing that happened to her and has turned it into this beautiful technology that, um, the, you know, she they're rolling it out into all the hard rock cafe hotels. They're rolling it out into all the airports in Houston. They're rolling it out to all the Amtraks. And so, and there's nobody else doing this. Like, as so mm -hmm. I feel like if people would just like, I mean, I feel like if, if the government were and an organization would just sit down somewhere and just let us do our thing. I feel like the survivors have the absolute answers to all of these problems. Like we've mm -hmm. been putting these solutions into place for decades, for almost two, almost two decades. And why is it still such an issue? Like we have answers for these things. So um, that's just really like my goal is just to amplify like the things that other survivors are doing. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a grant writer by trade and, and that's just sort of what I do. And so like, that's what we've, um, what I've been trying, you know, to help everybody out with and um, expungement and stuff like that. And like connecting to resources. And like, I just feel like that, um, that I feel like there's so much beauty and there's so much intelligence and there's so much talent and there's so many, you know, wonderful experiences that can be had um, if, if everybody would just kind of shut up and sit down and let us do our thing. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, I think that there's still a lot of um, unbelief that there is even a problem here in America. And, and, there's, and there's a moral authority. People have a moral authority over us. And they think that, you know, they think that, oh, well, you, it's sort of like the way that, you know, people used to talk about, you know, those that decided to engage in strip clubs, like, oh, well, they're there because they want to be there, you know, and that's just not the case. You know, I didn't just wake up one day and just say, hey, you know what? I just want to go be a prostitute. Like, I didn't do that. I went to college and like I was assaulted. And then like when things, by the time that I was um totally groomed, um, I, I, I didn't know that that's what that was until I got out of it. And we're, you know, we're just, um, we're, we're the only um, part of the population that are blamed for our trauma. Yeah. 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 Unfortunately, that's, that's very true. A lot of victim blaming still. Yep. Still happening. Mm -hmm. And I mean, to be fair, it still happens with sexual assault across yeah. the board. 
Oh, yeah, absolutely. That because those two issues are so closely related and so closely tied together, it's almost like this um, belief, uh, again, of, you know, you could have dressed different, you could have hung out with somebody different. And the fact of the matter is, is the majority of people that are being trafficked in the United States are people who it was an intimate partner, it was a family mm -hmm. member, you know, it's a, a domestic partner, somebody who's close to them, somebody that they trust for some reason or another, whether it's because they've been groomed or whether it's because they've had, you know, this conditioning or whether it's because it's something we were told, you know, your family is supposed to have not your all back. It's not all taken, you know what I mean? Like, it's <laughs> not like like, I think that Pretty Woman and the movie Taken have done wor the worst mm -hmm. things possible for our movement. Like, and people think that, like, you know, that they they literally think that it's, and even when you look at them and tell them to their face, like, hey, this is happening. Like, I live in a very rural area in Southwest Virginia, and people, and I've been in this movement since 2007, and people still look like me, like, I don't know, like an alien. Like, like I have four heads when I'm like, yeah, I was trafficked. Well, where I live, there's like three interstates. Yep, which is I, a very hotbed of, of trafficking, um, a lot of drugs, a lot of trafficking. And anytime you have those two things combined with also if you want to um, throw in some rampant unemployment, some, mm -hmm. um, you know, extreme poverty um, and, you know, um, a failed policies and oppressive um, systems. That's what you're going to come up with. That's what's going to come out of it. Yeah. So and a lot of times, you know, people don't label it as trafficking. They're not saying, oh, we're trafficking you. You know, you're trying to put words on it as these things are happening to you with, you know, especially at the time you were dealing with it. Yeah. I, I, I would never would have labeled it trafficking until probably about maybe five, 10 years, maybe five, eight years later. And I was like, yeah. wait a minute, that what that's what that, yeah, that's what that was. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. There wasn't, I don't even think that language existed back then. No, I don't think I had ever even really heard about trafficking until closer to the end of the 2000s. And then um, I was sitting in a training about before I realized that's what had happened to me. I knew I had, you know, just kind of a crappy childhood or whatever, but I never knew what else to call it. And I was like, well, you know, it sucked and I'm moving forward. Well, and that's kind of like the, um, the um, you know, the uniting facts is like I had a wonderful childhood. I did not experience any sort of abuse or neglect or anything like that. But guess what? I still ended up in the same place of the women that did and, and of, of, of the other people that did. We all still ended up in the same place. Yeah. So it, this is something, you know, that it doesn't, um, you know, it, it's, it's an equal um, opportunity um, victimization. Like it will, it does not care if you were a privileged white cisgender girl from Virginia or if you're like a poor African-American from Alabama, like it doesn't matter. You will still end up in the same place. Right. True. And I think that's one of the things, too, is like with the human trafficking movement almost focusing so heavily on sex trafficking. There's right. a whole group of people that we completely misidentify because it looks like they're working. It looks like they're just doing their job. And we're yep. not saying, hey, how are you doing outside of this? What else do you do with your life? Or are we not even saying that? We're also going to Home Depot at 630 in the morning and we're picking those folks up. And we're taking them home for lunch and we're taking them home to clean our entire uh, house and build a building for us for 1850 or something. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, not only are we not like, yeah, we're we're acknowledging it. Like, we're active. People are actively participating in the trafficking of humans in so many ways. And I don't. I, I genuinely think that some of these people that are doing these things are good people. I don't think they know any better. But that is no right. longer an excuse. Yeah. Well, and I think it it comes from the lie of, well, this wouldn't be the case if you just got a job. 
or in your country. So, you know, and those are those types of things where it's like, there's been so much growth in the last 10 years in this movement. And that's come from having people with lived experience, being able to share their stories without, you know, being re-exploited and stuff, but still being able to say, Hey, this program that you think is really great. Is not going to work? Because it just like there was one program uh, we were hearing about where they would also take all of your identification and lock that up and they lock up your phone and oh, everything. Oh, yeah. I used to actually, um, I was the admissions director for some halfway houses. I would not disclose the location because I don't think it's important. But sure. I was, uh, I worked for halfway houses where um, they would, um, people would come out of prison and need somewhere to live because in, in different states you have to like have somewhere to live for 90 days. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the um, and the director would take the residents, um, food stamp cards and their SSI checks and everything and keep them. And then they would like on the weekends be like working at his house. So, you know, and like, you know, it's disgusting. This podcast is sponsored by Bring Freedom. To learn more about how to prevent and end human trafficking in your own community, please visit bringfreedom.org and join our partnership program. We have something we can do or we have something we can say about it. Um, One of the things that I think is really great is the Polaris Prowler Checks uh, anti-trafficking hotline because they take the time for people to actually be able to report something in their area. They can actually speak and say, hey, Either I don't know if this is happening to me, or I don't know what to call what's going on, or I see something happening to somebody else that I don't think is safe. And being able to report that so that it can be investigated, I think is really important because there's almost this uh, disbelief that if you have reporting happening, that something is wrong, all of a sudden, instead of the opposite, which is when you have reporting happening regularly and you have investigations happening regularly, it actually makes your community less conducive for traffickers because they can't hide. People in the community are going, hey, your behavior is suspicious. How you're treating this person is suspicious. What you're doing over there, that's suspicious. And because people are watching those things, it makes it harder for trafficking to continue. I believe that the um, ideology behind that is absolutely sound. Um, I believe the implementation of of that is maybe not um, as good as it could be. Uh, Yeah. So I think that basically this is what I think. I think that um, I think that there need to be. I'm just straight up. There need to be two separate hotlines. There needs to be a cop tip line and there needs to be a hotline for resources. I don't think it should be the same line. I believe that. um, So, for example, um, with recent um, issues um, as of late. So um, I just kind of briefly spoke to you guys about this earlier. But um, there's, I think, 36 um, attorney generals in America that sent. uh, Schumer and um, there a couple other um, Congress uh, congressional um, folks um, a, a letter uh, and it was the Attorney General saying, "Hey, National Tra- uh, Trafficking Hotline is leaving people on um, you know leaving on hold, you know." And no, I'm sorry, that's that that was not their concern. Their concern was that um, so the Mississippi either AG I think that Mississippi AG was like, "Why aren't we getting any?" Um, Tips from Polaris. 
And they called Polaris, and, and Polaris was like, well, it's not uh, up to us if, if they decide to report the traffickers. We're, we're here as, as services for victims. And the Mississippi AG was like, you know what? That's not what you're here for. You're here to be a tool for cops to be able to um, arrest people. And so that is a, a very hot topic right now. Um, and uh, like just as, as soon as um, last night, I was able to talk to um, Michael Cooksey, Esquire, which is the um, Deputy Attorney General for Delaware. I was able to speak with um, Patrick McKenna, who is um, head of the Virginia Coalition Against Human Trafficking, and Chris Ash, who is um, head of National Survivor Network. And we have all been able to like at least have a conversation about this. Um, so Kat Chan is the director of Flares, and they are having some conversations um, that are way above my pay grade, <laughs> and like things are, are are being fixed. But I believe because I believe at this point that if they were to be like okay, you know, don't call this number anymore if you need help. Here, call this number. I believe it would just erode the little bit of trust that we do have in the government um, mm -hmm. to, like, help take care of us. I, but I also know that, like, if I were not a victim and, like, I was like, oh, I think I see trafficking, I'm going to have to look that number up. I'm not going to know that it's Polaris. But if I'm a survivor, I know that it's Polaris. So that was my recommendation was, like, hey, just come up with another number. Like, it's mm -hmm. being and, you know, you guys have been funding it and throwing hundreds of millions of dollars at this thing for years. And like, this yeah. is still where we are. So um, while mm -hmm. I do believe the players is doing some really good work, um, uh, you know, Kat's doing, um, I believe Kat was kind of handed one of those sort of um, impossible governmental um, red taped just situations and is being expected to do a whole lot with a little bit. Um, mm -hmm. I do believe that there are lots of ways forward um, for things to change and things to get better. As it is right now, I do not believe that the hotline is as effective as it could be. Um, but in saying that, I, I don't believe it's as effective for survivors. I don't care about if it's effective for cops or not. Like, we're not here to do their job. We're not here to put the traffickers away. That's not our job. Our job is to be able to, be, you know, find access to resources like housing and food and mental health and rape services for survivors. It is not our job to make your, you know, to help them make their convictions. Well, and to be fair, there are ways that you can report a crime. There are right. There's like nine one. You know what I mean? Like tip lines, <laughs> things like that. Even for local police departments. So we are saying, please, if you are seeing something in your community, call your tip line for your police department. Absolutely. Let them know. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I would never dissuade anybody from doing that. But like, I just believe in this particular situation that it like, I think that the issue gets muddled up because it's like you're you're leaving these poor, you know, you know, Polaris, um, you know, employees, half of which are survivors themselves with like this huge task of like being the end all to be all to trafficking in America. And I don't think that's fair. Um, I do think that there's lots of things that um, I hopefully that. You know, these kind of conversations like you guys are having with me, the conversations that we're having, you know, uh, with among the NSN and um, different, you know, survivor communities in America. I believe that there are ways, you know, moving forward that we can do things a lot better. Um, but I don't believe that I just don't, you know, part of my trafficking story um, involved some law enforcement. Yeah. And when I decided to no longer participate in what they wanted me to, they charged me. And because of the you know, refusal of Virginia which as a player standards is sixth from the bottom in survivor in answer in helping survivors. Um, I, I can't get two misdemeanors from 2000 vacated. Um, and I will not take a dismissal. I will not take an expungement. I want to vacate it. I want them gone period. I never should have been charged with them. Um, and because of that, like I have 
absolute zero trust of law enforcement. So when you've got attorney general saying, hey, here's this resource, the only resource federally that we have for you. But you know what? You're not doing it. You're not doing it right. It's supposed to be for us so we can make convictions. I got a problem with that. I got a problem with anybody telling a survivor or a victim that they need to report to the cops. It's nobody's business. Like there's so many reasons, um, you know, that that exist if survivors want to be involved with the police or not. You know what? There, and, and you know, I don't think I'm going to blow your minds when I say this, but there are some people that do sex work because they want to do that, and that's their business. Like if that's what they want to do. That's that's fine. However, when they begin to be exploited, that's where people like me and the, the organizations I work for step in. But like up until that point, like it's nobody else's business. And like so for you to have like even like a governmentally um, not government, not just government funded, but a governmentally funded, dictated and criticized organization that is supposed to um, just encompass all of the trafficking, all of the labor trafficking, all of sex trafficking, mm-hmm. all of the romance trafficking, all of the scams, all of that. Like that's just it's, it's an impossible task. And um, I've, I've, I've had a lot more compassion for their leadership in the past couple of days. But just just yeah. even thinking about like what all that entails. It's a yeah. lot. Yeah, it is. It's it's a heavy load. And you'd think that they would kind of split it. Mm-hmm. So if someone is calling for tips for police, yeah, push one for this and push two for this. Exactly. Yeah. Where it could get funneled into yeah. two, two separate call centers. Sure. And, and I mean, we, we definitely recommend that. And I mean, even like the 911 program, when you call 911, it automatically based on your phone number goes to somebody that's in your area. Right. And, you know, that would definitely be something where if it was where you're like, OK, I need to call the report. Like, oh, my God, I'm a 7-Eleven. I see something right now that's going on. I think somebody needs to investigate this like that would be perfect. But, if right. you're like, you know, involved in a situation where like uh, my boyfriend like has talked to me into like having sex for money with all these other men. Like, should I be concerned about that? That's a whole right. different kind of conversation in a whole different context. And he's be had it on a whole different platform. Yes, yes. I agree. Yes. So um, we're excited about the growth in this community and how um, survivors are taking ownership to protect others and to make this world a safer place and being part of ending uh, trafficking, not only here in America, but around the world. Oh, yeah, absolutely. There's some really good work being done by a lot of really cool organizations. Yeah. So we're excited, but if you guys have, you know, uh, encouragement or maybe, you know, a message you like to send Kristen, you guys can always send us a message through, I think it's Spotify or anchor. We'll let us uh, hear your messages, you know, what your, um, your support, your encouragement for the people that are on the podcast. We want them to be able to get you and know. also, if there's any survivors or if there's any um, or victims or if there's anyone, anyone at all that wants to contact me, uh, my email is kristenarvon at gmail.com. And I'm open to conversations. I'm open to dialogue with um, law enforcement. I'm open to dialogue with um, anyone, you know, across the aisle for me. Like, let's do this. Let's 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 take care of it. 2023 is the year of collaboration. Like, this is our year. Let's do this. I agree. That's, that's powerful. It's yeah. an affirmation. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> It's a wish, and I just keep saying, if I say it enough, maybe it'll happen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. And, you know, eventually it takes more and more people will come to the table because yeah. they have to. Mm-hmm. 
Well, it's because now it's their kids and it's their daughters and it's their sister-in-laws and it's their grandkids that it's happening to. Because, you know, back, you know, I'm 42. I was born in 80. So back when this happened to me, like I, you know, like it literally nobody, I didn't know anybody that had been through anything like that I had ever. Like I just like somehow spontaneously, like it just happened to me. And, um, Mm -hmm. and since then, like, fortunately, like I've been able to like, I feel like I've been able to do some really good stuff, you know, surrounding that. And me being from like a very you know small and rural area, so I just hope that moving forward that like people don't people understand that like this is not this doesn't happen in a vacuum. This yeah. is not just wait. People just you not know, wake up one day and decide like oh you know what I just want to get a severe drug addiction and go have sex for money. Like we don't do that. Like it just we it happens. And before before we you know by the time that we realize it's happening, it's too late. And mm-hmm. so and if we don't have those access to resources, um you know the non judgmental. Um, you know, resources that do not involve being arrested, um, then we're, then that's what we need, you know, if we, but if we have a fear of, you know, being arrested, which I, that's, I was arrested, um, you know, for, you know, just being like, I didn't even know, I knew that I was, was wrong, but I didn't know that it was like at the behest and at the profit and exploitation of someone else. Um, so I knew that, um, you know, and so the, the definition of, of it now is, is forced, um, force fraud or coercion mm-hmm. and so if you are find yourself in force fraud or coercion um and you if you are um somebody that con you know tries to contract um a certain law enforcement entity and they do not understand you or, or don't want to hear you or just are not informed um there are many 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 other organizations that are right there and ready and willing to help you so i just don't want anybody to think that like this is sort of a um, oh, I'm here and this is what happened and this is all I'm ever going to be. It's not. You can right. rise above it. You can do better. Yeah. Right. Yes. And we think that this type of thing also is often something you have to disclose multiple times. Yeah. So. That's, yeah. That's that's kind of the hard part. So it's used to the model, the traditional model was um, tell your story, help us raise some money so we can help more survivors. Okay. I don't do that anymore. Um, what I do now is I want to talk about like what I'm doing now, what are we doing now? What are we doing the movement? How can things get better? How can we, you know, make things better? How can we, um, correct these systems of oppression that have, um, caused the, the situation that we're all in right now? Like, how can we do that? Like, I, you don't need to hear my sad, sad story about how I was assaulted. You, like, it doesn't matter. Like you've heard it 150 times. Like it's not going to change things. And like, I think the very worst comment that I ever received is like, um, I've, so I've been a speaker on a national level and I shared one day and somebody was like, Oh, you've inspired me so much. And I was like, my trauma and my sexual assault inspired you. Right. Like, but it was like, it inspired them to like do better. And so I'm just, you know, I don't feel like then, um, I feel like the survivors, you know, used to, we had, we're just also grateful for your help because we're just, we were used to being exploited, treated like crap, you know, and any scraps that we were given of life, we were grateful for. So then when you go into an organization that's like, here's a bed and here's new clothes and here's, you know, mental health and here's, you know, dental health, you know, whatever you need. And we're just supposed to be like so grateful, but we don't have to accept that anymore. Like it is a new day in 2023. Like we do not have to do that anymore. Like um, there are plenty of people that are willing to be like, you know what? I don't need these organizations to help. I will sell our organization. And mm-hmm. that's what we need to do. And like the more survivors that we can get at the table, the more survivors that we can get um, behind one collaborative voice, the, the more impact we can have and the greater change we can make. True. Yes. So true. Yeah. Well, we are so grateful that you were on the podcast and that you're able mm-hmm. to share um, really the things that you've been able to do after, you know, you didn't let your story have a period there. 
yeah. you know, you, you fought through and you worked through different programs and you've given back and you've really just invested. Yeah. I, I don't even have any friends that aren't survivors. Like I just kind of can't even stand anybody else. Oh, <laughs> I, I mean, I really like the people I work with, the people, you know, the, the people I write grants for the people in my professional and my private, you know, network and my friends are, are all survivors. Like everyone else. And just sort of like, they're like, Oh, my Wi-Fi doesn't work or TikTok's too slow. And I'm like, really? I fight for my life. Like, you need, like, I'm sorry. I can't even deal with your TikTok issues right now. <laughs> Yes, it's not just first world problems. It is the one percent problems. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, thank, thank you, so ladies, so much for this. This is great. Thank you. I appreciate it. And we, you know, I, I do want this. Is, I'll say this, and I'll close. Um, we're very, very appreciative of this, the shoulders that we stand on. Um, we stand on the shoulders of giants. Our, people that have allied with us and that have helped us to get to this point. There's no way that I could be able to do the work that I'm doing um, or even have like a career in this business or in, or in this field um, or even seek to even feel like that I can speak out my truth without people um, that are our, our allies and that raise money and that have like, you know, stood in the gap for us for so long. Mm -hmm. We're very grateful. Yeah. Yes. Thank you, Kristen, Thank for you. joining us today. Thank you. Bring Freedom's live anti-trafficking equipping event is coming up March 30th through April 1st. Sign up for the Vision and Intention Challenge today. You don't want to miss this. Thank you for joining us for the Persons with Lived Experience podcast today. I hope you're enjoying season three of these inspiring stories for unprecedented times. Please share with your community so together we can make more ripples to create waves of change.